0: I'm glad you're here Uh, with us. We are at at the last week of a series we have been going through through Job. Um, And the last few weeks uh, after Easter here, we've uh, decided to take a few of the questions that have come up from Job. Questions about, uh, is God still good even though there's suffering? Um, Who who is Satan? What is his role? What is he up to? Um, And this week we're going to look at how do we help someone uh, who 's suffering, and in fact, I not only help someone, but I think it hopefully will give us some framework even of how we can allow people to help us. Um, I know as Kelly and I uh, have been talking about this uh sometimes it 's hard for us to do to do that uh to say hey, the things i we 're hopefully going to learn today uh some i 'm hoping really practical steps, some things to do to help someone suffering, we can also allow people to do because I think some of these things I might resist because um, I got it together, and so today we're going to have an opportunity to think real practically, what does it look like in life uh, when people are suffering around us? It, started with, uh, it reminds me of a moment in life. Uh, it was a moment when I was in college, and uh, I, I, uh, a friend called because he wanted to chat, and so I went to his dorm room. Um, I spent one semester living in dorms at the University of wisconsin Platteville. Uh, that, was, that was the space for people to cheer. Uh, and, uh, uh, so he, he invited me over and I thought he was inviting me over to, because, uh, he, he was a friend who had been very, uh, helpful in, in my own development and my faith, but also just a good friend. And we sat down in his room. Um, and, uh, I said, Hey man. And he goes, uh, how are you doing? I said, Oh, and so I kind of unloaded. I thought, Oh, he's actually asking how I'm doing. And, um, so I said, oh, this, this semester has been harder than I thought. It's been harder to, to make friends. And uh, I had this test this week that was so hard. And um, I just don't think I did very well on it. And I've been staying up late, uh, hanging out with friends, playing a lot of Tony Hawk, uh, the video game on PlayStation. I, and uh, it's just I, I missed some assignments. And, you know, I cannot beat this level of Tony Hawk is as, as hard as I try as many hours as I stay up. I can't beat this level. And he said, Oh man, I'm sorry. That does sound like all those things adding up it really sounds like you're having a rough time. And I said, yeah, yeah. Well, how about you, man? And he says, Oh, I, I called you over. Cause uh, I had to let you know, I'm, I'm leaving school. My mom is really sick and I need to, to go home to help take care of her. And I said, Oh, and you know, in my head's rushing now. I'm going like, I just told you that I'm having a hard week because I can't beat Tony Hawk, and you just told me your mom is sick enough that you have to go home and, and suspend college to care for her. So in in that, all those things flooded in a second. In my head and went, oh, cool, cool man. Well, all right, I guess all right. I laughed. I didn't know what to do. I was complete. uh, I felt terrible that I responded, that I quick just jumped on, you know, the the Drew train. Hey, let's talk about Drew. And then I also thought, oh, my suffering is so small compared to whatever you're dealing with here. We didn't even get into details. I just can't imagine. Um, And uh, I I share this because it reminds me that uh, there is a sense that we all are suffering. And there's different levels of suffering, right? I, I was having a hard time uh in, in college, and I was having a hard time connecting and and figuring out how to manage my time so I could do assignments. And that was hard. I, I was feeling the brokenness in that. And he was feeling the brokenness too in a different level, in a different way. Right? We feel that we feel that physically we feel brokenness and suffering. We feel that emotionally we feel brokenness, suffering. We we, we feel it right in our head and our heart and our bodies. And all those things mixed up—they're all connected, and they're—and we're feeling one that causes us to feel the other. And sometimes the suffering is is very short and temporary. Sometimes that suffering is long, and sometimes we know that suffering might not end until the day we see Jesus, because we all live in, in a broken world. We've we've talked about this, right? Why is there suffering? We talk about our, this enemy of Satan, this adversary who's trying to cause us to suffer. He wants to kill and destroy, and we feel all those things around us. And when, then when they come at us, we sit down with a friend or we text a friend or, or we email, right? We're on a Zoom call with a friend and we hear the suffering we're not sure what to do. And sometimes we just want to walk out of the dorm room, right? And So our hope today uh, is as we end this time thinking about Job, we want to think about what does it look like to really move towards friends well and help those who are suffering a my friend recommended this book uh, to me. He said it's one of his, his favorites in this in thinking about this. It's actually a book about how to talk with kids. It's called How to Talk So Kids Will Listen and Listen So Kids Will Talk. Um, it's by Adele Faber. Um, and the thing the thing I love about it is is that uh, we get these eight different responses when someone shares with you. that It's that initial moment. Hey, I've had a rough day at work. And here's the initial ways. Uh, we can see people responding and then we're going to look at what does it look like? Uh, I think actually from scripture and even from the model of Jesus, what it looks like, but see if any of these connect to you. Maybe you felt this response or maybe you, uh, one of these is your, your go-to responses. Number one is just a denial of feelings. They may say, Oh, uh, there's no reason to be upset. Uh, It's, it's foolish to feel that way. You are probably just tired. You're blowing things out of uh, proportion yeah, don't worry about it, right? The second one might be a philosophical response. Look, life is like that. Like things don't always turn out the way we want. You have to learn to take things in stride. Nothing is perfect. No one is perfect. Or we get real philosophical. The response might just be advice. I think, oh, this one hurts. The response would be, they share this hard day at work today. Yeah, well, here's what you should do. Right. When the first response is here's here's some steps you should take and we'll solve this problem, wrap it up in a bow. The next one could be not advice, but just a lot of questions. What exactly happened? Why didn't you do something different? Or, hey, uh, what could be our plans for this, which often leads into advice? Another option could be just a defense of the other person or the thing. Right your first response might be like well before you start complaining about that let's think about the other person let's let's understand their reaction I bet they're under a lot of pressure they had a hard day okay so your first response when a friend is suffering is to say hey let's uh, let's first think about the person who made you suffer or the thing that made you suffer Can you imagine doing that if if someone was sharing uh, if they said me I think Satan is 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 Causing my family to believe lies and is hurting my family. you would say, hey, let's think about Satan's perspective on this. He's had a hard, it's a hard day. I got to crawl in his belly like a snake, right? The next one uh, we see is pity. Just um, a, a, a lot of, oh, you poor thing. That's terrible. I feel so sorry for you. I could just cry. You, That's so bad. Dude. It's so bad for you. Which is kind of a disconnect of like, oh, uh, almost from a distance. Hey, I'm sorry. That's... That seems real tough. Um, we got two more. Uh, uh, the, the next one is an amateur psychoanalysis. And this would be uh, when someone would share, uh, you'd share suffering, and someone might say, has it occurred to you that maybe the reason you're suffering is because you and your dad didn't have a very good relationship? right? And, you, and this person is now replacing a father in your life, and you're trying to uh, uh, you know, woo them and, and try to get approval from them. So maybe stop doing that. And, and lastly, I think a response that are, is our hope, and I think is Christlike, is is an empath, empathetic response. This is an attempt uh, to to actually enter in and, and to tune into their feelings. And and the last one in this book that stated is something like, "Oh, that sounds like a really rough experience. It's got to hurt to experience that, especially after what you've already been through." But not a not a, oh I'm so sorry it must be tough to be you pity but actually walking in arms around them I guess right now we're not doing the arms around each other but and so our hope now is to look at what it looks like to care for someone suffering again we're suffering differently in different ways we're although always suffering and feeling the fall right feeling the disobedience the disconnect from God all the time and in some ways always some level we're not like ever at just zero. No no suffering. We're all feeling that. And so we have an opportunity here to mutually care for each other. Um, and we also saw this as Job and his friends uh, were together. When Job first was hurt, right, when he first had his things taken away and he was suffering, where he was sitting in a pile of, of ash and um, in, in like the garbage dump outside the city and he had torn his clothes and he was just laying there waiting to die. His friends came over and they just sat with him. and cared for him before they started giving a lot of advice. Um, and cycle a lot of psychoanalysis of, of who God is and what's actually happening. Um, they just sat with him, and that's our our hope today is we're going to look at what it looks like to be those people. Our friend um, Sarah Taylor, who uh, is a Hopester, goes to Hope um, her downtown location. Wrote a great article in the Gospel Coalition. We'll actually uh, uh, send out a link of that this week um, in our our weekly update. Um, she wrote, and we're gonna we're gonna reference that a little bit because her. Uh, her words have really helped me, and I think it's helpful to hear someone who who has a lot uh, of suffering around them and in them. Um, see how they how they um, talk about this. Sarah has um, gets cluster headaches, which are uh, considered one of the most painful things you can get. Uh, they're just debilitating, uh, and she gets them for seasons of months at a time, six months at a time. So so painful, she just can lay. Uh, she says it's like a hot searing screwdriver in her head. Um, they're also called suicide headaches. They're that painful. Um, cause the suicide rate is so high of people who get these headaches. So she feels this in, in, insane, intense amount of pain and deals with that. And she shares in this article what it's like to deal with that pain and also cling to Jesus. And she shares what it looks like to have friends care for her. And so we're going to reference her Often, they, one of the places she points us to is this passage in, in uh, Exodus 17. Uh, it's this is this cool story where God's people um, are fighting against uh, the Amalekites. And Moses goes uh, in, in verse 11 here. Moses goes and he um, holds uh, up his hands in the air uh, with a staff. And as long as the staff is in the air, then he... God's army is is being victorious. But as the staff lowers, the army uh, starts to get taken over. And so he has to hold the staff up in order for God's army to have victory. And so in verse 11, we hear this. uh, As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him. And he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up one on one side and one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Do you you see this picture here? Moses' arms, he couldn't hold up the staff and his arms would fall and his friends would push his arms back up. So he these friends holding those arms up. And this is what Sarah says about this. And from this her article in the Gospel Coalition, she says, Many times over the years, I felt like Moses unable to hold up my own arms i've been unable to clean my house fold the laundry for my children drive for carpools cook healthy meals complete my own work projects i'm not fighting the amalekites they thank god because they sound horrible but i'm fighting despair frustration hopelessness my amalekite army is the lies that attack me all day and all night lies especially thrive in the darkness. When I wake up at 2 a.m. with searing pain yet again, the pull to believe lies is strong. It's hard to believe God is really with me. It's hard to believe he loves me. So my hope here today is to give us some steps to think, what does it look like to hold our, our friends' arms up when they're suffering? So, so they continue to fight, so, that, so they continue to believe truth, so they can continue to be loved and cared for um, in that. So I'm going to look to, um, a, a pastor, Doug, uh, who's a pastor in Humboldt, Iowa, Doug, Doug Walter. Um, and his article, I think it's from 2013, even just, he just gave a real easy way to think about this. And it's a way that it's been helpful for me to think about it. And so that's, that's the reason we're using this. I often don't do it this way, but I think it's really helpful. We're going to use the word help, uh, to illustrate, and what it looks like uh, to help someone. First, I'm going to blow my nose. Oh, yeah. I'm going to try some new graphics out here this week. You ready for this? So we're going to look to add it at the uh, H, the E, the L, and the P uh, of help. That didn't work out very well. Boop, 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 whatever. Um, and each one of those letters is going to help us remember really just as a way to think when I'm entering into that. And I know I'm driving to a friend's house or I'm about to call a friend uh, and i about to sit down with my spouse. and I know it's been a hard day. I think, like, how can I help them? Um, and that's where I look at it. And thankfully, um, I've been help- I've been really helped by Doug. Pastor Doug's here's a um, word. So yeah, we're going to start with H. Um, the word H uh, is stands for hope. And not answers. Because we want heart change in this and the heart to be cared for. Um, because we know that hope heals broken hearts uh, and not advice. So we're not looking for answers here. We're not looking for solving problems here. We're actually looking to bring hope. And, and what brings hope? Hope's name is Jesus. And so we start not necessarily as a thing for you to do, but the framework, the foundation for what it looks like to enter in to suffering with someone that comes from a remembrance, or maybe for a friend, the first time understanding that for hearts to be healed, we have to look to our hope who is Jesus. In Psalm 34, we hear that God is close to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. Um, this is true, right? God is close to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. So we know that our God is one who cares deeply for those who are brokenhearted. Our hope can be in a God who isn't far off saying, oh, so sorry, that stinks for you. But instead he's close. He actually draws near. This word is draws near, moves towards and draws near. So our God comes close to it. And how does that work? Well, we see in Hebrews two how that looks and what this hope is that we can cling to. Not our answers, but we can see who the answer is for this. So in Hebrews two fourteen, we hear, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death. There he's saying, because we are human, flesh and blood, God came as a human and died to break the power of him who holds the power of death. That Satan he came to defeat Satan, to defeat death and sin, right? That is, that is the devil. And free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely does not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. It says, God came to help us, to care for us. The hope out of the, a fear of death or the fear of suffering or just the feeling of death around us. All of these, experiencing death around us, the hope for that is not in me, is not in you. Uh, the hope that our, it's going to heal our hearts is in Jesus, right? He goes on then to say, for this reason, he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he, because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those being tempted. This says that not only did Jesus come in the flesh and blood, die for us to defeat death. He also came to atone for our sins, which what that means is he died. We have sins, disobedience, treason, and there's a cost for that. And that cost is death. The, the wages of sin are death. What, what we owe is our death. And he came instead and died for us. He took the sin away. So not just death, but he took the sin and that suffering away. Um, that that the eternal suffering away from us. And, and now, here's great, at the end of this, hear this. Because he himself suffered and was tempted, he's able to help those who tempted. Our God isn't a God who's far away, who says, oh, it must be hard to suffer. I'm a God. I am on my throne. I don't know what that's like because I'm a God. And our God came to us. It's just crazy that our God entered into history with us And was crucified and actually knows what the physical, the emotional, right? The the head and the heart and the body pain feels like. And not just a little bit of what it feels like. He took all of it on. He knows what it's like. So we have a God who knows what that feels like. So our hope can be in that God. So when we enter into suffering with someone, that can be, we have to have that in the back of our heads. We have to have that in our hearts. God, you're the one who is going to solve this. Who ultimately solves this in the end. And right now in the suffering we have, you're, you're the one we want to cling to. I need to cling to you because I can't think that I'm going to be someone's savior. And I also want to find ways to encourage them to do that. The other part of this that's really helpful is uh, Proverbs 25. And this is a, a verse that just reminds us of something that's really important. The purpose in a man's heart is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. I share this first because I think in the manner that we're about to talk about, there's a manner and a matter, right? A matter is the content, the stuff that we're going to be able to say, uh, maybe do. But the manner is really how we're doing this, how we're interacting with someone. The the, all, the manner is going to be so important when we're dealing with someone who is suffering. We're, we're really caring for anyone, right? This manner is so important. Why? Because someone's heart is deep. What's really happening is Deep below the surface, we got to dive way, way down to really get to the things that are really hurting, that are, that are really that are really the fears, right? That, that are really the things that are, are painful. And that's something that um, takes time. And we're going to talk about this and patience in a minute. But this is something, this truth is so important for Proverbs 20 because we want to remember that it's not a quick surface level thing. We don't go, oh, you, uh, you had a bad day at work. Uh, let's just talk trash about your boss. It'll all be good, right? No, you. we spend time with someone. We enter into someone with a hope that God can heal them. And we start to learn and draw out from their heart what's really going on. All the things that are, all the suffering they're feeling, all the brokenness they're feeling. Um, and start to draw that out. So over time, we can actually learn uh, what they're putting their hope in that isn't bringing death. And put, hopefully explain to them that Jesus is the hope that doesn't. So, our H, our first letter there, H is for hope and heart. That we want to be people who uh, start with the right hope. That the the hope of, of this isn't just to stop suffering, but the hope is to figure out what our hope can be in while we're suffering, and and, that, and get right to the heart. Now we're going to look at um, a little more practical. I think opportunities on the E in help uh, uh, means uh, or represents entering into their pain and be empathetic to them. Empathize with people. Um, this is a great opportunity to show love and care, to just weep with them, to just be there with them. Uh, remember we had talked earlier about well, whether the person who showed pity just said, oh, ooh, I'm so sorry, it's so bad. What if a person actually entered into their pain, actually joined them in suffering, actually bared burdens um, with them? Brene Brown explains empathy this way. I think it's really helpful. Um, She says, empathy has no script. There's no right or wrong way to do it. It's simply listening, holding space. I like that phrase. We're just holding space. Withholding judgment, emotionally connecting, and communicating that incredibly healing message of you're not alone. What better way do we get to represent Christ with our friends and be light to them than to say, I'm going to enter into you. You're not alone. and I'm with you. I'm not solving this. I'm not giving answers or advice. I'm just with you, bringing hope by just being with you. This is what Job's friends do. If you remember in Job, we see this moment when uh, Job is suffering. And his friends came in for a week. They just sat with him in silence. It just I, We don't need to talk about it. We can just sit. And uh and enter into that time together. Jesus enters into our lives being with us, and 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 God leaves the spirit here with us to always with us. In Philippians, we see this great example of Christ. And in fact, this isn't just a passage about what Christ has done, it actually is a passage in Philippians 2 about how we should have relationships. Listen to how this starts out. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. So in our relationships, this isn't just in suffering, just as we have relationships, have the same mindset as Christ. What is that mindset? Who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. See this? He set aside what he had, uh, his blessing, his privilege that he had, all, all this, right? As king of the universe, sets that aside and actually moves into our suffering, into our lives. In fact, we were at that point enemies of his, and he moved towards us. He sets that aside, and in fact, he doesn't just enter in and and sit by us and say, I'm sorry. He actually takes on our pain, right? He enters into the pain with us, and he's even willing to die on a cross to end suffering one day for all. So what could this look like? This looks like entering into someone's life right now. Maybe not a phys- physically entering into someone's life, right? You say, "Oh, cool, Drew. We're not allowed to go to someone's house. I'm not allowed to sit next to a friend, uh, right? Anymore, or at least right now." Um, and so this looks like letting people know they're not alone. So if nothing else, think of it that how do how do I enter into pain? Letting people know they're not alone. That's easy through a text, right? A phone call, maybe a letter in the mail. Drive drive by their house this weekend. We had. Random things dropped off at our house. A a letter um, dropped off at our doorstep. I can't tell you how much joy and how exciting it was and how much we did not feel alone. We felt like we were with people even though we just got a letter on our doorstep. Our doorbell was rung and a letter on our doorstep. We didn't actually get to be in the same room with those people, but we felt like we were not alone. How do you enter into people's lives um, and do that? Entering into the lives right now is, is amplified, even, I would say. Friends, we have an opportunity to be present in people's lives when there's people feeling more alone than they felt in a long time um, and letting them know they're not alone, as Christ has shown us. All right, let's get to letter L. Letter L, as some of you I know are already guessing what all these things are, letter L is listen. It's to listen. Um, And it's also to love people, listening and loving. So as we enter in with them, then what do we do? We need to be good listeners. We actually have uh, talked about this already uh, in our church in just our three months as a church. We've already talked, I think, a couple of times, but we actually had a, a whole sermon that we just talked about what it looked like to be good listeners, right? In James 1, we see that we are called to be quick to listen and slow to speak. We are to be people who listen well, and it doesn't say listen well and then you and then give advice and then talk. It says the importance of people who stop and actually hear. If we want to be people who go to the depths of someone's heart and then we uh, and actually understand what's really going on and be able to speak good gospel truth to those deep hurts, we have to be able to listen. Or we have to be able to open our ear if we want to actually understand where someone's at, if we actually want to hear someone's pain and enter into that pain, we have to listen so we actually know what that pain is if we want to really get uh, into the heart of things. The other part of this is love, and these things, I think, go together. Loving is is just an opportunity to show care towards someone, maybe make a meal, offer a, a gift. Again, this spending time, this offering of love to someone. Sarah shares about this. Um, in her article, she says during the latest season of suffering, God brought friends to serve our family in practical ways, like making meals and picking up groceries. As they carry out these everyday tasks for me, it felt like they were Aaron and her standing next to me on the rock, holding up my arm. But they were doing more than chop chopping sweet potatoes or roasting chicken. they were doing more than meeting my physical needs. They were fighting this spiritual battle with me. They weren't just picking up a spatula, they were picking up a sword. The love of God was poured out on us through human hands. It felt strengthened to fight the great army of lies because these faithful friends listen to the nudging of the spirit. When you make a squash soup, pick up groceries or drop off some crispy yucca fries, you help your suffering friends to see truth clearly. You remind them of what they believe. Now listen to this. It is a holy work. To come alongside suffering friends to hold up their arms and hold up their faith. Did you It's a holy work to come along suffering friends to hold up their arms and hold up their faith. Uh, that, that phrase uh, uh, has been really hitting me. It's not just a good thing, a helpful thing, but to really listen and to love people is a holy work. We're entering into something Special, something divine, as we are are uh, are being Christ to people as as we have loved Christ and when are overflowing that love to others you're actually bringing the gospel and hope to people just by doing those things that I I personally don't feel that I think oh cool we like did some made some food cool I come home and I think I wish I could help. And uh, not understand there is a holy work going on when we're loving people well. Um, and We see this play out. Uh, our example again is God and Christ. In Psalm 66, we hear, "I cried out to him with my mouth; his praise was on my tongue. If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But God was surely, but God has surely listened and has heard my prayer." Praise be to God who has not rejected my prayer or withheld his love from me. Did you hear this? God has surely listened and has heard my prayer. God listens and he hears. Praise be to God who has not rejected my prayer or withheld his love from me. There's a connection in this passage. God listens, he hears, and then he moves towards us with his love. We get to listen and we get to move towards people with love, God's great blessing to us, provision in times of trial, a gift to us. And We see this in Christ, right? We see Christ moving towards us. God listening to us as we cry out, we can't find life. We're trying everything for life. And he says, life is in Christ and Christ comes as the life and the resurrection and gives us life. And we too get to move towards people. Think how many people this summer... Um, you're going to get to walk by, right? And you're going to get the opportunity to listen to and to love. Think how many people are going to walk by your home. We have this, right? A neighbor walks by the home, a neighbor who used to walk by and say like, hey, they keep going. And now they go, hey, and then they kind of stop for a minute. How you doing? Hey, your dog's cool. Like just saying, I would love, that's right, Frank, that's right. Uh, uh, those things stop. There's a pause because there, there's a connection that wants to be made. And you have an opportunity to say, hey, I'd love to listen to you. Maybe not that, but how are you doing? How's this going? How's it going? You might find out that a neighbor has a need that you get to share love with and eventually hope with, right? What an opportunity we have to put on our rake, right? In the yard, to to stand up from our chair, from our porch, Right. To stop our walk and to talk at six feet, but talk um, and love someone last. OK, we get to the P here. The P. I'm sure someone guessed it, right? It's pineapple. Nope, it's <laughs> prayer, uh, prayer and patience. So we're going to people who, who rest in hope, rest in the opportunity that hearts can be changed by Jesus We get to enter in, empathize with people. And while we're doing that, we get to be good listeners, not good advice givers. We get to love people. And sometimes that's very tangible, physical ways to show overflow that love, to listen and move towards them. And we get to people who pray. And why do we pray? Um, The first reason is because in deep, hard suffering, it is hard to pray. We actually get to pray for our, our friends, we get to intercede for them and carry the burden for them We have to cry out to God and say, this is wrong. This isn't right. Please end this. When a friend can't even say those words, right? When a friend might not even believe right now that God can do that, we get to cry out for them. And also we get to go. We have a God who's near us and with us and hears us. Why would we not go to our God and say, we need you? Maybe even we just need you to help our friend. We need you to change a heart. Why would we skip this? Why would we neglect this step? Why would we uh, stop praying and communing with our God when he's the one who's going to change a heart, right? And bring hope and patience in all of this is so important. In all of these things, patience to continue to walk a long road of suffering to enter into pain and know this might be a long haul is exactly what our God does. He enters into pain with us for the long haul. Our God pursued his people since the beginning of creation and continues to pursue his people. In John 14, we hear this. This is, this is how great our God is. He, Our God, our Father, sent Jesus to rescue and save us, but he didn't leave us. And I'll ask the Father, this is Jesus saying, I'll ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. Be with you forever. The spirit of truth is the Holy Spirit. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. I, I, like, I like the phrasing that. would will not leave you as orphans, right? We know in, in Ephesians 1, that we were orphans and God adopted us into his family, made us heirs to his throne. What oh, I am suffering. I feel like an orphan. Like I have no family and, and I'm alone, right? We want people to know we're with them. They're not alone. And that God himself has left us the spirit, the Holy Spirit that is in us and with us. Again, we have a God historically throughout all of time, there have been many gods created uh, in people groups, right? And Most of those gods are far off. They can't suffer. Uh, They're not close to their people. And we have the true God who suffers with us, who knows our suffering and is in it for the long haul. I was talking uh, to a friend this week and he said, I think one of the reasons I don't enter into suffering, and I agree with this, is, is because I have impatience with irresolution. Those are like, those words make it sound cooler, right? Impatience with ear resolution, meaning I I am not patient with the fact that this might not end, or there might not be a solution, or a clear, clean solution. We also talked about other ways we uh, might not. In my small group this week, we kind of brainstormed some ways. I'm so thankful for those those men. We we uh, the guys brainstormed some some ways um, that we might. Uh, reasons we might not do the helps, right? I think it's a lot of work. It is a lot of work, right? The long haul is hard. I got a lot of stuff going on. I, I'd like to just check something off my list and move on, right? I am impatient with ear resolution. The discomfort feels like it's wrong and I just want it to end and, and I don't want to be uncomfortable. You're saying I'm going to volunteer to suffer, with someone. Why would I, they seem like it's not very fun. Why would I want to volunteer to suffer with them? Maybe we start believing that if we're good Christians or good people, we shouldn't suffer. So you think, oh, there's something wrong with it. What do they do? Maybe let them sit in that, suffer, learn their lesson in that. If we just don't see light at the end of that tunnel, it's going to be hard to enter. And then maybe we've just been in that tunnel many times and we're just done. We're, We ourselves are suffering because we have entered in too many people's lives who are suffering. And and I think for me, one of the reasons, uh, one of the the really uh, uh, lies of Satan that gets in my head, my heart, is that if I'm not the one who gets to save people, I don't know if I want to be the one entering into this. If I'm going to enter in with hope and I'm going to enter into their pain and I'm going to love them and listen and I'm going to pray for them and be patient in the end, I want to I want something out of that. Um, and knowing that my hope is in Christ, I I think sometimes maybe we don't enter in because we want to be the ones who get all the credit, right? And so if I can't get the credit, I don't I don't want to do it, right? And so there's there's opportunities for us in that even to to work in our own hearts. I want to remind us of this phrase from Sarah Taylor as we end here. Friends, it is a holy work to come alongside suffering, friends, to hold up their arms and to hold up their faith. I pray that this would be what our church is known as. People who are generous, not just with finances, not just with time, but generous with our own hearts and our lives. Willing to enter into people's lives, willing to represent and show off the hope that we have in Christ because we're holding one another's arms up. What a great opportunity we have together. I have a few things I want to share with you to reflect on as we uh, take communion here in a moment. Uh, And to continue reflecting on, uh, first, do you know that Jesus knows your suffering? You have a God who actually is near you and knows your suffering and that Jesus is the hope for your suffering. friend. Not your advice, not you knowing the right thing, not them just taking the right steps, but Jesus in the end is our hope. Hopefully that takes some of the burden off. And if you don't know uh, Jesus, if if you haven't investigated who he is, I encourage you to do that um, for yourself. Also, when you are hesitant to enter into suffering, um, when are you hesitant to? Why are you hesitant? Um, Think through what what are those things. I I also want you to think which part of the help comes easy to you. I think for some people, one part is uh, easy. If some friends who are, amazing listeners who just come and just let me talk and share how I'm, I'm doing. I'm feeling what I'm thinking. What a gift that is for them. Um, but and what part is harder? Part, of, Some part of the help is harder for you to do. And so what part is, is harder and what part is easier for you and why? And think how can you grow in some of those areas? And lastly, who do you know who's suffering today that you can move towards today? In a few minutes will be, done here with our service, and you have an opportunity. Uh, I know you have technology because you're watching this on some kind of screen. You have an opportunity to, in in 10 seconds, send a text to someone, how you doing? Thinking about you. Love you. Who would you have an opportunity to move into? Like, Let's take the step. Invite yourself into someone's pain um, today.